We now flash to the invention of the secondary protagonist, also known as the Deuteragonist, all the way back in 9000 or something BC in the courtroom of the great emperor, Hallius Dicius. No, 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 no. You are now in the courtroom of Emperor Hallius Dicius. Oh, uh, yes, hello, sir. My name is the playwright Aetius. I am a very well-known playwright known for plays that's just like all other plays. We only have one character, one guy, and I've created a new one. It's just like normal, one guy on stage talking about his life and what he's up to and what he's up to, one guy. You'll love it. Hmm, Aetius, welcome to my court. Thank I've you, heard of this one character, however, I have a proposition for you. Uh, sure, would you like another play with one character, sir? Hmm, I would like a play with... Yes. More than one character. <laughs> Sir, what? That's insane! It's second character? What would I call it? That's right. You would call it the do, the, the, ag, uh, whatever we, you call it. You're the playwright. Okay, well, a protagonist in another one, a, a deuteragonist. That's our yes, word for two here in our language I'm speaking. delightful. Okay, so just two characters. Well, you did that so well. What about a third? Uh, okay, sir, we're, we, we'll do a third. A and third a fourth. A fourth character? A fourth? And a fifth. Sir, I'm really worried that if we add all of these characters and make this a thing, some year, time, a thousand years in the future, the Japanese will find a way to make it weird if we do this. I don't care. Make me more protagonist this instant! Okay, you're the boss! Hello everybody, I'm Hal. And I'm Pax. And we're the Brotakus, the show where two guys who love anime do a deep dive on what is and isn't worth watching. We believe you don't have to get a major in anime studies to enjoy this wild, beautiful, and strange art form. And we're lucky to have you on this journey with us. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for your support. We absolutely love it when you're sharing us on social media, your Twitter, your Facebook. And we got some really fun stuff in the future. We uh, uh, hinted at some of that last episode, but we might have some motherfucking video content, content, content coming to you soon. Coming to your area. Freaking BrotakusVideo.com. A hundred years of Brotakus right on your fucking screen. Put it on your boob tube. Speaking of boobs, how many boobs are there? There's two boobs. People got two boobs two yeah, tits yeah there's a protagonist yeah. yeah we're talking about the protagonist but what if there was another one another, another one and another, another one. one multiple protagonists multiple protagonists well everybody let me tell you something back when i was just uh, you know a a sweet little innocent college student mm. earning my mother flip-flopping degrees one That's of those right. degrees was in english and another was in drama and hell's yeah. got a degree in drama and so we got the 411 we're dropping this fucking knowledge we know where it came from we talked to the guys which is ancient fucking greece That's ancient right. fucking greece is is the root of what we're talking about today um uh, but uh, uh, Pax, I, what does this have to do with anime? The, the Greeks have very few fun cartoons to watch. Well, you're going to fucking find out if you listen, okay? You're going to listen to Hal and Pax, and you're going to love it. Because uh, 
Today, uh, what are we what, what what are we talking about, Hal? What are we talking about? All right, so today we're talking about the little guys. You know, the second bananas, the sidekicks that get kicked a lot. Absolutely. So we're going to start off just kind of talking about like plot structure because, you know, uh, you bitches, uh, we like to get micro before we get macro. And so um, flashing back to like the invention of storytelling way back in the days. I'm going to add a fucking harpsichord there. Um, Back in the days, looking at. OG Greek drama. That doesn't stand for Olive Garden. That stands for original Greco-Roman, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> take him out. God, this is going to be a weird one. I could already yeah, tell. Okay. We're, we're feeling wacky. <laughs> so, um, flashing back all the way to some OG Greek drama. Some of the first uh, records of written and memorized live performance. Uh, when you're talking about a, a kind of global theatrical take on it in terms of like what storytelling looked like with um uh a, a audience present that wasn't like a, a wandering bard or a troubadour or stories huddled by campfire because since like the beginning of time we've been telling stories to each other right hal that's right pat <laughs> tell us more tell us more i will i will so um original greek theater took place in big old amphitheaters which were these big um like uh, half uh, semicircular um, pits in the ground made out of stone that were like shockingly accurate when it came to acoustics because right there, uh, Hal and I have both uh, spent some time in some amphitheaters doing some <gasps> theatre. <laughs> some theatre. And uh, when you're in an amphitheater, you don't need a mic. You don't need a uh, microphone. <laughs> you just need your voice. And an um, audience if we can get one. And an audience. Um, and so when you're speaking, it just bounces off these amphitheaters perfectly. And modern, uh, modern um, historians are... Honestly, like really shocked at, at how many thousands of years it took us to get a similar level of understanding of acoustics that like the original like Greek homies had. So, um, original Greek theater, it was one person, the protagonist up there on stage, just kind of being like, and this is my life. I am Orphidorpheus of the Western Greek place, and I fr- flew through the seas, and I battled the Persians, and I battled the the Gauls, yeah. and I ba- and I battled the Celtics, and ah. I battled the battled here, and I battled there, and they would kind of have a uh, a chorus behind them. So I'm actually gonna crack a copy of Beowulf, which is is like an older spoken story by the Spiridanes. It's not Greek, but how's gonna be my uh, my chorus? Okay. Yep. Yes. <clears throat> Let's see, I'm just gonna flip to a random page. The queen appeared before them, Hrothgar's queen. Gleaming her gown golden, she chose a chance to charm. She was the cupkeeper. She she raised it to high to show the men and then brought it to Hrothgar, Dane's delight, husband and home holder. She held it to his lips and he drank deeply. And the love of the country in each draft. He threw it back as fast as once he'd drawn his sword, this old, old lord of war. And his men cheered. His men cheered. They cheered. His men cheered. Hang on, hang on. Yeah! (laughs) Hell yeah. So that is like like what the chorus would do. So the chorus would would echo. They'd be like the hype homies, the the hype hounds, the hype men and men dressed as women. (laughs) A lot of those. In Greek theater. And so they would do poetry. They would dance. They might sing. But they did not over the story because that was for the protag um however 
we have a record of when the original uh, Deuteragonist came into being. It was actually mm. uh, listed in Poetics by the grand brain thought Aristotle, and we finally learned, as A Squad wrote, <clears throat> as he wrote in Poetics, Hex is a portal opening in my room. Wait, okay. I'm close to the book. I'm close to the book. Close it. Close the portal. Close the portal. Oh Yeah. So, or to to put that in modern speak, thus it was Aeschylus who first raised the number of the actors from one to. Hell, get a load of this shit. Two. Yo, I can't. I can't. I can't. Man, oh my god. So um, he curtailed the chorus, making uh, the dialogue, uh, making dialogue the leading part. So two people. And then just like we had in the intro, there was another one and another, another one. And then, one. Yeah. And so these actors, they would generally like play their characters by donning different masks. And like they would play multiple characters as actors. But um, eventually was the evolution to everyone playing their own people. And this was kind of like the original invention of this stuff so um Aeschylus was a goddamn word freak so he busted out somewhere between like 70 to 90 plays we've got like six or seven of them these days yeah and Um, that's like more than I have fingers so like that's a lot yeah (laughs) so many I'm losing my mind um so anyway Aeschylus was like oh man people really like the protagonist what's better than one it's two and he just expanded it and it was fantastic and in terms of the number of plays he was writing he had a bit of an advantage because he could not recycle, but, you know, retell um, stories of great wars or stories of uh, how the gods came down from Olympus and all sorts of dope shit. Um, so, uh... uh, uh Pax, could, could uh, I ask a quick question? Yeah, of course, buddy. Anything for you. Um, what, what does this have to do with our animes? Well, there was actually a specific term for these uh, secondary protagonists. Okay. What is it? That would be the Deuteragonists, our sweet little side pieces, our number one, number twos. And so today we're going to be talking about our fantastic, beloved anime, Deuteragonists. Okay, everybody. Today we're talking about anime deuteragonists. And uh, Hal, why don't you give us a little, little, uh, little four one one on. Uh, different types of deuteragonists. We see here, what does that mean in this context? So, so essentially a deuteragonist. Thank you, Pax, first of all. Thank you so much. Um, so, first of all... <laughs> it's okay. You're the, so uh, hot. People yeah, gotta hear you. God, stop it. So, first <laughs> of all, the deuteragonist is essentially the second most important homie in the show. But not necessarily, like, the bad guy, the antagonist, although, you know, you can it can come in a lot of forms. So, like, some of the tropes that you might find of the number two in Adamu is... <laughs> <laughs> the best friend, the sidekick. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Let me let me try to let me try to give some examples as we go. So, oh, sure, 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 okay. sure. Let, let's go over. Okay. So, the best friend, like uh, Joey Wheeler. <laughs> yeah, Joey Wheeler. <laughs> God, your Joey's so good. Or the sidekick, which is like uh, Robin, the Robin to Batman's Rob. Fuck. My favorite anime is Batman. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. We got this. We got this. Let's go. Oh let's go. my god. Oh or, my god. Okay. Okay. The or sidekick. The 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 rival is another one. Ah, uh, like Sasuke. 
<laughs> just like Sasuke. Um, uh, what's another one? What's another one? The love interest? Ooh, yeah. So, Ooh. like, a deuteragonist could be, like, in, um, fucking, what's the guy with the wolf? Uh, Inuyasha, Inuyasha. Ah, yeah, uh, yeah, Inuyasha's yeah. number two is Kagome. And, mm. I mean, granted, like, back then, a lot of, like, deuteragonist women got the short end of the stick. Yeah. But I think she still qualifies as the number two. A lot of the, the plot is about her. Uh, there's also a uh, classic trope in Animu, uh, the dumbass, the the dumb, dumb, bad brain, the flirpy, derpy, no good thinking guy. Can you think of any dumbasses in anime? You know, there are a lot of them, to be honest, but like I'm having a hard time putting one down, which I guess means that I am the dumbass in this. No, you're not the dumbass in this. You're not the dumbass. Um, so let me think. I'm, I'm thinking of the dumbass as someone to, um, someone who kind of like tests the waters. I feel like there was a lot of this in old anime so like um someone who's like i'm gonna fight him head on <laughs> and just charges in <laughs> do you know what i mean do you know yeah, what i mean that's yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah, yeah. don't don't worry uh uh don't 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 worry john i'm gonna fight him head on so he could prove his powers before you fight him um god there's so many i'm getting overwhelmed by like an oh example of that god. um that would be you know krillin would be a really good sh- choice for yeah. that krillin yeah yeah, yeah, yeah for sure for sure choice for that <laughs> Krillin is such a little pain pig. Um, God, man. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay, okay. Um, a- a- any other, any other tropes? Any other tropes? Uh, the air. The air. Yeah, yeah. So, like, um, the air would be someone who is like a. Uh, Someone who winds up inheriting the mantle, and I think the heir is like someone who's in line for a fucking protagonist promotion at some mm. point. So um, in Gurren Lagann, I won't spoil how, but the number two becomes the number one. Uh, and there are a lot of, I think even like a, like a Batman, the animated series didn't, because um, there was new Batman, right? Am I yeah. remembering that? No, yeah, there was. The new Batman yeah, yeah. animated so, series. So then there's like, hey, the person who you were just following, it's a good thing you were caring about him because he's fucking the new guy and now he's number one. And so you can definitely tell when someone's getting like groomed to be the new protagonist. Like there will be like a ton of like death flags that the protagonist has of like old Batman being like, <laughs> all right. Yeah, so like Batman Beyond would actually be a really great, Ooh. Batman Ooh, yeah, Beyond yeah. would be a really great. Explain that. Explain that. So so for those of you who don't know Batman Beyond, so like Batman Beyond takes place in the future. Bruce Wayne's really fucking old and he has this experience where like he is Batman, he's fighting these guys and then he gets his ass whooped by like some common thugs and he's just like, shit, I gotta pass on the torch. And then he meets this kid named Terry McGinnis who he hires as like, at first it's like, here, I've got an internship at Wayne Enterprises. Um, you can have it. By the way, you're Batman now. Bye. <laughs> Absolutely. And so uh, we disapprove of grooming unless it's to promote them to the main character. Then that's fine. Um, and the last one, we had a couple names for this. Uh, we had like the slave, the bondsman, the indentured servant. But like, what do we mean by that? So the example that we chose for that is Pikachu. Uh, and yeah. the reason we chose that is because Pikachu, from the very beginning, didn't really have a choice but to be stuck with the protagonist. Yeah, and he's like definitely the number two. He has his own arc, but like, is someone your friend if they live in a ball that you keep by your nuts and you make them fight other guys? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Let's talk about consent in Pokemon. That's going to be our Pokemon episode. We're going to bring on a bunch of moral emphasis. It's going to be great. Um, Yeah, I don't think you should have a a henchman unless you have their enthusiastic affirmative consent. That's That's my take for today. Um, so, uh, running through those things that a number two can be, could be the best, could be the best friend, the sidekick, 
The rival. The love interest. The dumbass. The heir. The bondsman slave guy that you keep around as your Next friend. Next to the <laughs> um, Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, fate is another good example. Fate's a thing where like people get spirits granted to them to fight, uh, and they don't have a choice, but they do it anyway. Yeah. So, um, why are we talking about this today? I think it's because um, anime has a ton of specific, like, classic tropes and forms that this takes and because the because all these series are so protagonist focused i think that the role of the number two and the support system around it has taken on a more important role than like ever in a lot Mm -hmm. of these shows would you say that's fair yeah absolutely yeah um and it's not like this is not believe it or not anime is not the only type of thing that has multiple characters in it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, so like who's your favorite deuteragamist deuter who is your favorite deuteragamist outside of anime manga? well my favorite booberatomist is um you know we were talking about it earlier and i've been thinking about it and i really think like commissioner gordon Ooh, woke take woke take go off queen go off like, spit your shit so for those of you who don't know commissioner gordon is the police chief of the gotham city police department um and the police department is like determined to bring in the batman but commissioner gordon's like i don't know batman's actually doing some really good stuff here mm-hmm. and like once they come to terms with that they begin to work together at from like a distance so like commissioner gordon will call batman when he realizes that he's in over his head but commissioner gordon is also a fucking badass like he has kept gotham city alive for decades not just as a commissioner but like as a rookie cop when he first joined mm-hmm. the force like he really climbed the ranks he works with batman he may not be able to you know fight uh killer croc in hand-to-hand combat like batman can but he's also like in his freaking 50s and has like canonically speaking like cancer a lot of the time and what is cancer a lot of the time he's a heavy smoker oh oh that does make sense he's a heavy smoker so like he like a lot of times people are like hey you should probably stop smoking um and he's just like yeah well i'm under a lot of stress so i'm gonna keep doing it but i think that this is this is a great time to to kind of delineate the difference between like it's it's kind of like a square and rectangle situation in that like your sidekick can be the deuteragonist but not necessarily right so like so, like in yeah yeah lay out the difference between like why commissioner gordon might be the deuteragonist instead of robin in a universe right. where they're both present right so basically the reason commissioner gordon might be the deuteragonist over robin is because we see robin a lot with batman like a lot of robin's uh story progression happens alongside batman Whereas, like, Commissioner Gordon is someone whose storyline happens separately. He has his own deal that is happening while Batman is, like, uh, beating people to death with his, well, not to death, but bare, almost to death with his bare hands. Commissioner Gordon is trying to keep the city in line by the book. And so, right. like, that is the difference. We don't necessarily see his progression alongside the protagonists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. That's a good way to put it. Um, I think my favorite deuteragonist has got to be fucking have you seen breaking bad oh okay okay well then i will i'll just don't worry i'll just explain to you why uh it's the 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 best um jesse pinkman in breaking bad is definitely the deuteragonist and um breaking bad is about a high school teacher played by brian cranston who um, ha- is diagnosed with terminal cancer and like gets into the m- the meth creating game, and he meets um, Jesse Pinkman as like someone he used to have in high school who's now like into meth, 
creation and being a being a silly billy in a world where there's no good job opportunities and um he just he really really grows and he is not played for laughs he's just his own individual that gets his own segments of the plot uh, dedicated to him and his own character arc every episode every season and throughout the whole series and so i think that he's a great example of someone who um really is not just a a, a bit player and who is, the show is really about jesse a ton just a little bit less than walter and so that's kind of like the whole importance of it so kind of like getting back to anime um why we're talking about this today is, is just to kind of have like a nice trope episode where we kind of shoot the shiznit about um our favorite and least favorite uh side pieces and side hoes in a anime but also tropes we don't like and what we think could be done better so um hal with your chosen show of choice your your bay dragon ball z oh my god talking man oh life is hard <laughs> hal in dragon ball z is there a deuteragonist that you would like to tell the class about so for those of you who have seen it um you know feel free to you know tweet at me if you want to uh, disagree with me on this but i think that there are two that i kind of struggle between picking and one of them uh, their names are vegeta and gohan so the reason that I struggle with that is because Vegeta is, like, constantly alongside Goku, but, like, they're bitter rivals, just constantly mm-hmm. fighting and working to outdo each other. Um, whereas Gohan is, like, this loyal son that, you know, works really hard but has his own life as well and wants to pursue that. Um, yeah. And you get to see bits of them throughout their uh, their own... Oh, my God. Um story yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's been a long week guys (laughs) okay let me start over so vegeta and gohan why i think either of them could be the deuteragonist Vegeta sure. fights alongside Goku, fights with Goku, is a bit of rival. Gohan's a loyal son who, you know, you get to see a lot of his progression throughout various sagas. So like the Saiyan saga, the Frieza saga, the Cell saga. Mm. Gohan goes through all of this independent growth outside of Goku, but so does Vegeta outside of the protagonist. And so you have this moment of like, of like each character getting their own section of the story, but then eventually Gohan kind of falls to the wayside, which really really upsets me and a lot of other people who watch it. So I think that he's probably the best example of a deuteragonist right. that that really could have been given so much more. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. So so how do you what does it say about Dragon Ball Z the way that the deuteragonists kind of like change over time and people get like promoted and demoted from various roles? You know, it's really dependent on the the protagonist. It's really dependent mm. for Dragon Ball Z specifically what challenges the protagonist is facing. So basically, like, in the Saiyan saga, at this point you have, like, Piccolo, you have the other Z fighters, like Ten Shinhan, Yamcha, um, fucking uh, Master Roshi, like, Krillin, all of these player, all of these people, when they were still relevant. And the reason I say that is because at the time, the villains were sort of within that ballpark. They were sort of, like, right. approachable for these secondary characters. But then the Frieza saga comes along, and suddenly, like, oh, like, all the other Z fighters are either dead, or they're too weak to compete on the same playing field as Goku, the protagonist. And that just keeps 
escalating as time goes on until the only ones that can even come close to fighting the characters that the protagonist is fighting are Gohan and Vegeta. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. So, so I like think that, that's how the characters change. It gets gradually yeah. the, the gap gets wider and wider. Because in terms of like if that's executed well, I think we'll come back to that later, right? Right. Yeah. So so basically what I'm saying is that it's not executed well in Dragon Ball Z. I gotcha. Ask me about One Piece. <laughs> One Piece. I would like to hear more about that from you, Pax. Considering oh. that's your poison of choice. Yeah, man, just waterboard me with One Piece. Just give me, just shoot it inside of me. It's the best show. Mm. It's so good. Um, so, so One Piece is interesting because it's very much like an ensemble show. So One Piece is a show about pirates, and a the captain of it is a gentleman by the name of Monkey D. Luffy. And Monkey D. Luffy is a, um, people get their powers in the show from Devil Fruits. And he's a rubber man, and he is a... Um, I think that the rest of the shonen genre like suffered from Monkey D. Luffy's success because his type of like, I'm going to use my willpower to just beat the shit out of other people um, and, and make my dream come true. Like it, it affected, it poisoned, not poisoned, um, it, it, success breeds repetition. And so Monkey right. D. Luffy's whole dream is I want to become the king of the pirates because he lives in a pirate world. And um, that led to Naruto's thing being like, I want to be the Hokage. Hokage. Yeah, I want to be the Hokage of the Hidden Leaf Village. And that led to um, all sorts of stuff. Like uh, Black Clover these days is still doing the same formula of like, I want to be the king of the wizards is like what Black Mm. Clover is all about. Um, And (laughs) that said, One Piece is very much a ensemble show i mean the thing that one piece is known for is over its thousand chapters having so many like literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of characters who are really well loved and so what i would compare one piece to because monkey d luffy is the protagonist definitely but i think it's almost like an snl format where um you have your ensemble of people doing their stuff every week and then every arc there's like a special guest and then they become a highlight of it. And so that happens a lot in uh, One Piece where, where they will come across a new island. And uh, they will come across like a kind of, um, uh, if it's a new member of the crew, they'll become the deuteragonist for the arc. And so will their like best friend or love interest or person who's on their island. Or they'll come to a cruel kingdom that's under attack. And their secondary homie will be like the wayward princess of the kingdom who has left to become like a super... Um, uh, uh, intense rebel who's going to take it down and then the crew helps them do that. And so um, there's definitely like ensemble shows where there aren't a dude or where there isn't a deuteragonist or the deuteragonist changes a ton. And I guess both of our faves are like that. Um, that said, I know there's a lot that I love that has a bad secondary character. So what makes a bad number two and like, does it ruin a show to have a, a deuteragonist that just isn't deuter doing it for you? <laughs> You know, I don't think it ruins a show. I think having a bad deuteragonist is actually more common than having a good one. Mm. I think that it's one I of those so, yeah. things that, like, it won't ruin a show because people are used to it, but having a really good deuteragonist is what puts a show above others. I totally agree. So, I like, totally agree. Yeah, I, I think that... So, like, what makes a bad deuteragonist, uh, you know, they, they don't really spend any time developing what that character is about, who they are, where they're from, what yeah. they want. And and that kind of makes it so you're like, you're watching this character and you're like, 
even when they come up with an episode that's like, this is about Boppus McGillicuddy. And, and Good old Boppus McGillicuddy. Next to the protagonist, you're like, I don't care about Boppus McGillicuddy because I, I don't know anything that, about him. And and like that, I think, is the trap that a lot of shows fall into because it's easy because you want to spend time developing the protagonist. Yeah. And good old Boppus and his siblings, Twistus and, uh, and Polis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, OK, so you saying that is so brilliant and that hits something big for me that I think like raises it is that the you could talk about Deuteragonist and like tears and S tier is someone who it, who shares like a full arc with their 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 people and who evolves every Sometimes every episode, every arc, every, you know, throughout the whole show. But, like, I think the worst um, sign of a deuteragonist is someone who cannot do anything that is advantageous or important to the protagonist. So no, there's nothing the protagonist um, can't do that the deuteragonist can. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like they are just redundant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, similarly, if they, if they're two dimensional, I don't know, does that make a bad deuteragonist? No, I think it just makes a deuteragonist. I don't think there's any yeah. such thing as a bad deuteragonist because they're already playing second fiddle. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Um, I mean, unless but, their story development completely derails the protagonists, then I don't think there's such a thing. Okay. So here's the thing. Joey Wheeler, is he a bad deuteragonist? Or, or is how about this? Is he a two dimensional deuteragonist? No, I don't think so. Okay, because his character can he do anything that Yugi can't? No, but he has reasons for fighting that Yugi does not. That's true. So he f that's a great point. So you so it could be good if you fill a hole in the story that the main character doesn't. Right, Yugi is very aloof. He's very kind of just like I do this for the love of it, and that's why I yeah. do this. Whereas Joey's like. I have a family that I want to protect, and I will do anything to protect that that group. Right. It, it yeah. adds an emo he adds an emotional depth that Yugi cannot. Oh yo yo yo! Um, in RPGs, like the protagonist can sometimes be the lamest character. Yeah, I'm thinking of like because if you're playing an RPG where like you don't have a ton of like great choices or like things to make, like if you're talking Dragon Quest or even like Pokemon games. Your protagonist is a blank slate. They you know, don't your talk. Protagonist... Link does not talk. Yeah. Uh, I and mean, so... he's still got some cool background, but like Princess Zelda is way cooler than Link. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Like Mario. Mario has a ton of character and flavor, but like... Um... He doesn't really speak. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what makes a good deuteragonist, Hal? Ooh, what makes a good deuteragonist? I think we already touched on that a little bit, just being like... You know, the things that really make you think like, oh, you know, I wouldn't have gotten that from the protag. I would not yeah. have thought about that by watching the protagonist's story. Um, yeah. And, and I think like, I don't know, maybe like My Hero Academia would be another another example of like, um, instead of All Might, you have like Lemillion. Do you know <gasps> that character? Ooh, is he the, um, okay. He's okay, the one okay. that like can become intangible. Wait, wait, wait. Right? Uh... Lemillion. Uh. Basically, okay. so what happens is like Lemillion gets into this fight and he's, he's trying to save this person, and he is. Oh yes, yes. Okay, and, like, I know who he you're knows about. he knows that he can win the fight because he cannot be harmed. But in order to save this person, he has to allow himself to lose this ability. Mm. Whereas, like, and so he does it. He allows himself to become engaged with in combat in order to save someone he cares about. 
Yeah. So, which, which so, essentially, I don't. I'm not going to do any spoilers, but like, no, it's okay. Let, let's actually give some details here because it's it's just something later. But so, Lemillion is a character that can phase in and out of things. He becomes yeah. incorporeal, and his battle style is like he dives into concrete and then will pop up, and he can choose. And and there are no nothing that gets past it. It's not like oh, I just have so much willpower that now I hit you. There's no loopholes. Right. But when he's under the concrete, he can't breathe because even air passes through him. Right. Like really interesting type shit. Um. And then when he pops up, in order for him to do anything, he needs to be vulnerable for that second. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting point. Like that he's he's like a concept deuteragonist. You know, when mm-hmm. he comes in, where it's like, what's the message here? What's the lesson? It, yeah. And and, and so. You know, with like All Might, you wouldn't think about that, or with like even with De- Deku, 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 is, Deku. Yeah. Um, even with Deku, you you might not get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without, without yeah. this secondary character, you wouldn't get this thing. Or like, oh my god, or like my boy Rock Lee, mm-hmm. boy Rock mm-hmm. Lee. Oh, okay. We're gonna talk about that in best execution in like just one second. But, like, but so, keep, um, you you go ahead. What do you think so, makes a good? So, uh, foils for the main characters make a great Deuteragonist. So we're talking about shit like um, Vegeta's kind of a, a, a foil of Goku in that like. Oh, give me your Vegeta voice. Oh, I do not have a Vegeta voice. Oh, you don't? Okay, no. never mind. So like Vegeta um, and and Goku. Like Vegeta, his character trait is that he's a prick, but. It's almost in the in this in the same foil of like a, a Joey Wheeler where like he'll be a prick for justice at some point. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it takes or, a long time though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Naruto Sasuke, Sasuke kind of being like a, a prick there. Um, Bakugo and like uh, Midoriya, like Deku Midoriya, like yeah. um, in My Hero Academia. Yeah. Um, somebody who who's somebody who allows you to have kind of like a a pure less. Um, uh douchey main character because they're on the same side as the main character and they'll be the douche so they can still do the things that like only being a kind of like hard ass will accomplish but they'll spare the main character any of that stuff that's why that's why these characters exist it's to take away the responsibility from the pro tag yeah 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 oh shit man okay we're coming across like a lot of like discoveries here um okay uh and and, oh, oh, oh oh Another oh permutation, my like my, my yeah, my favorite, I think, execution of this that like happens, um, or or, or 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 just archetype is the fucking villain deuteragonist, someone who like is the villain and then becomes like the protag or vice yeah, versa, yeah, yeah. like um, flip flopping Sasuke is like a reverse of that where he kind of starts on the same team, then goes villain and well, back. Sado Kaiba forth, is a is a good example. Kaiba, yeah, huge dude. Um, Vegeta as well. Vegeta right? is oh. that character. Vegeta like. Vegeta murders half of the Z fighters when he first meets them. Yeah. He kills Wait, them. Isn't that like the most common in way anime? That they, yeah, like in the or in Dragon Ball Z, isn't it that like most of the Z fighters start out as villains? Like Yeah, most, most of, of them, them start out most of them, almost all of them start out hating Goku. So, list all of them. So, like that. all right, in Dragon Ball, so like you come up against Ten Shinhan, who was a, a previously an assassin under right. the Crane School before Goku whooped his ass at a tournament. Then Ten, Ten Shinhan was like, wow, I really need to up my martial arts skills, and I don't want to hurt people anymore. So he joins Goku. Uh, Yamcha, who he meets in the desert, is a bandit. Um, like Piccolo, uh, Piccolo, Goku murdered Piccolo's father as a child, and Piccolo grew up knowing that like, it is my sworn duty to defend my father's honor and kill this man. 
Oh, King Piccolo and Piccolo are different dudes? Yeah, they're different guys. Oh. Yeah, they're okay. different. So, like, essentially, okay. King Piccolo is, like, Piccolo's sort of dad. More like gotcha. a reincarnation. But, like, um, Piccolo is like, you killed my father, and I'm going to fuck you up. And then Goku beats him nearly to death. And, like, they almost mm. kill each other in this awesome fight. And eventually Piccolo, like, he leaves, comes back, and he saves Gohan's life, raises him, like, through childhood, and becomes the most pure-hearted character in the entire series. And, like, yeah. like Goku's closest ally. Like, has died for Gohan multiple times. And so then there's Vegeta and... Is Boo's other form called Oob? <laughs> Uh yeah, so Vegeta is you already know. <laughs> That's so dumb. Oh my god, whoa. So I'm sorry, yeah, I'm looking at it. Oob is just a, a looking ass a guy looking ass guy. He's, he's just a little, he's a little black boy. That's what he is. So he's a Oob little boy from this like this village that it never really says where. So what, what happens is so like Goku kills Majin Buu. Yeah. But later after that he goes to the afterlife and is like, Hey King Yema um, I'd really like to meet Majin Buu again at some point, but like, maybe he could be a good person. Like he says that as he's killing Majin Buu, he's like, you know, maybe we can meet up again sometime when you're a better person. And so he goes to King Yama's and he's like, yo, could you bring this guy back? And King Yama's like, okay, I'll reincarnate him, but as an earthling. And so Oob uh. is the reincarnation of the evil Majin Buu whoa it's wild and so like goku takes him and he's like i'm gonna train you to protect the earth when i'm dead okay which he oh. should have done with his son but you know what <laughs> that's fine too many characters that should be another freaking episode about character bloat like um in terms of like what do you do once you're like once the z fighters have 20 people on them <sighs> you know what i mean yeah like because then it's like why kill them all damn it yeah, yeah, like, like, did you really, and this, this is a good tip for creative homies out there, like, if you can settle not introducing a new character and rather finding a new spin on an older character or advancing that person, it's going to make your life a lot easier. Yeah. You're going to suffer less from character bloat, you're going to save you um, on your budget if you're creating, like, a, a staged or screen production, like, for sure. And if so, that character ever goes, it's going to hit harder. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, that said, as, as we're, we're, we're barreling towards, like, some of the bigger points here, What's the best execution for you of the Deuteragonist? You mentioned yours earlier, but uh, I think tell I, the people. Tell the people about your Deuteragonist. <laughs> I think Rock Lee is a great Deuteragonist, and, I'm a, mm. and, and I just love this character so much. So, like, everyone who's ever watched Naruto knows this fight of Rock Lee vs. Gaara. And so you, describe, because we got a lot of, like, non-anime listeners. Right, so right, like, right, right, right. So Rock Real Lee, quick, in, like, a second, what's a Naruto even? Like, okay, I mean, most so, people know that, but, like, so Naruto takes place in a world where like everyone is a ninja. Everyone is training to be a ninja or like there are these hidden societies in like the leaf village, the village of the clouds, the village of the rain of like these elemental based ninjas that um, create their own Freaking forms. Freaking base ninjas, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Rock Lee is a member of Konoha, the hidden village in the leaf. And so like Rock Lee is a character that everyone counts out all the time they constantly dunk on lee because uh he can't do any ninjutsu which is like being able to do the secret cool hand sides and like spit fire out your mouth freaking secret ninja magic yeah. Doop, 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 doop. yeah um then you have like genjutsu which is being able to manipulate your opponent's mind typically through your eyes and then you have like taijutsu which is just punchy punchy punch yeah. i'm gonna knock you out 
And he can't do two of those things, which every ninja can do at least a little of. And mm-hmm. so, like, you have this character who is, like, established as this total loser, and then this might guy, who is another one of my favorite characters in Naruto, takes him in as a student and is like, you know what? We're going to turn that weakness of yours into a strength. So we're yeah. going to make you the best taijutsu specialist in the fucking world. And they do. Like, Rock Lee trains his heart out, and you get, like, so many of these episodes, like, in the middle of this fight when he's fighting, like, this unbeatable sand demon um of like how he got to this point where he can move so fast that you can't see him at all um and he's just such a great well-meaning character that struggles so much yeah but he always puts on a brave face and like you you get to see so much of him and then he doesn't do anything ever yeah uh and so like there's the demoted deuteragonist and then there's kind of like the euthanized deuteragonist someone who's like the secondary character for like a hot minute someone who is like getting a lot of hype and then it's just like goodbye we won't talk to you again and then you can like maybe be there in the background but like like he does some stuff he's involved but he doesn't get another like like hey more development he doesn't get more of that Absolutely. So my favorite, um, my favorite deuteragonist has got to be, and I don't know exactly where you're at in the story, but probably my favorite um, dramatic manga of all time has got to be Berserk. Right. And God, how do I even talk about Berserk? So Berserk is something where like I straight up like just even need time before we even think about tackling it in, in an episode. Because what you need to know about Berserk is it is like a extremely influential visual thing. Um, it, it it is written by someone who's acknowledged to be almost like a a, a Mozart level prodigy of like illustration. A gentleman named Kentaro Miura, mm-hmm. who um, created this series following this guy called Guts, who is a roving mercenary in a uh, what you discover to be the band of the Hawk in a very medieval world but it's a world that goes through many different permutations and evolutions and big earth-shaking events and um if you're listening to this uh unless you unless you consider yourself like a real sicko do not read berserk it's like berserk. it's like every dark thing you can think yeah. of in, yeah. in a show every line that you think they won't cross yeah. they're gonna cross it yeah, I mean, more so than Game of Thrones, definitely. Yeah. Especially when it comes to uh, physical and sexual violence. And it's yeah. something where we'll get to that conversation someday. I believe that, like, it is, it, 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 it earns it. It earns it narratively, but, oh, It's hard my to God. swallow sometimes. Yeah. If you aren't ready so, for it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to mess you up. If you have any doubt, Berserk's not for you. Don't yeah. read it right now. Yeah. But if it sounds like your sauce, you could look it up. But the, the core of Berserk is three people, kind of. It is Guts griffith and casca and so casca um casca serves griffith in his mercenary band called the band of the hawk and griffith is drawn as like this almost like um ethereal nearly like genderless figure of beauty someone who is a amazingly strong fighter ethereally gorgeous and very much represents this picture of like unbridled like thirst for power but in a way that is smart because it's not like when a anime will be like Ah, yes, my secret plan is coming into fruition. It's something that acknowledges that if you're a person that wants power, the best way to get it is to make people like you, is to be useful and politically conniving, is to be uh, loving and generous and hot and a little bit tricky. Someone who 
um, you who makes people want to die for them under the illusion that they feel the same way, you know, about them, but they don't because you exist to live and die for them, not the other way around. And so Griffith is an amazing deuteragonist who becomes areas where he becomes the protagonist and then the antagonist and then the worst antagonist or the, the most devastating antagonist I've ever seen. But, um, the, the relationship between the two is unbelievable. They have fantastic, uh, chemistry and they, they love each other in a weird way. Wouldn't you say Hal? like, do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of hard not to love Griffith. He's very yeah. much like an angel, like an old Testament angel. Mm. Well, uh, not like OG, o biblical angel with a thousand uh, eyes. No, like, but I but mean like, like in like yeah. the terrible beauty. Yeah. It, it yes. is terrible beauty. It's yeah. devastating. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, man. And the, the love is so complicated because there's a love triangle going on between like Casca and Griffith and um, Guts and the power shifts between them constantly but always for a good reason. And eventually that triangle gets broken in what I consider to be, it, it, it was the most gut-wrenching, like vomit-inducing chapter of any written comic I've ever seen. Have you gotten there yet? Uh, yeah, I think I have. You wouldn't know that you have. Okay, Has the yeah, eclipse no. happened? Nope. nope. Yep, then you haven't gotten there yet. And so Shit. it's devastating. But so check out um, Berserk, because it's amazing, except... Don't don't do that unless like it's literally uh, uh, unless like if you're a Stephen King fan actually I think that's a good way to tell if you're down for Berserk. Yeah, like, Stephen if you can King has Steve a lot of like sexual violence. Yeah, and if books. you can if you could read a Stephen King novel with all the grotesque, just like bile and pus and pee pee and vajiji and just yeah. weird gross shit, then it's for you. Otherwise, maybe not. Um, so that said, um, I think that we we kind of have united on like. Because because your favorite deuteragonist is not necessarily like a a good deuteragonist. It was an amazing deuteragonist for like a second, you know, mm -hmm. but then gets totally boned. And so it's possible to have these like really great glimmering moments of joy and love for a deuteragonist only for them to fall the fuck off. And so we are going to transition to, into a bit of conversation about deuteragonists more broadly. How can you apply the lessons that we're talking about in your creative work? And so we'll be right back in a second. idiotic hey everybody welcome back uh we wanted to talk just a little bit finish things up with a little uh lesson on how to apply the role of the deuteragonist in your life as a creative artist or you know just an overall creative homie you know Absolutely, because right now, like in the Brotaku's podcast, I'm the deuteragonist. Hal is the person we turn into every week. <laughs> Hal's the ingenue, the person that we, you know, we, we want to see advance. And uh, I am your, uh, uh, I'm your Yamcha. <laughs> no, you're not fucking Yamcha. Uh, I'm movie Yamcha. I'm oh gosh, I fried my nads, Yamcha. <laughs> That's my Nasha. Oh god. So, um, real quick, I guess, because uh, I'm someone who's worked as like a a editor, screenwriter, playwright, things like that. Um, 
if you're writing a character, um, and a lot of people have like ongoing beautiful dreams about like, I want to write a book, I want to write a play, I want to do this fun thing. And, um, that's all like mad relevant. Um, try to make sure your character is writing in a specific voice. Like ask yourself, do you need this extra character you're introducing? Or are you stiffing some of your pre-existing characters? Um, make sure you're not just writing a novel because you've fallen in love with the main character. If you fall in love with everybody that you write in your creative works, then you're going to love them. And you're just going to naturally kind of want to give them an arc and see how they evolve. And, uh, so when it comes to writing, especially if you're, you know, writing the the reboot of Dragon Ball Z that's going to come out on Please Netflix. Go for it. I would love to see it. Yeah, f- spice it up, spice it up. F- figure out um is everybody talking different because if everybody just talks the same way and I'm talking even like dialect or like the little quirks that they have like who curses more often, who uses like um similes and euphemisms and things like that. Like there's all sorts of fun little ticks you can have that embodying those characters and uh, speaking of embodying those characters, we're going to talk about uh, wacky dacky acting. <laughs> so, Hal, take it away, my sweet acting prince. So basically, so we wanted to talk a little bit about acting as a non-lead, which has a lot of weird connotations um, today when you view yourself as a performer. And and so like there's this weird belief that if you are not the lead, you are now insignificant. And and I think that that is really cultivated in today's culture, especially like pop culture, uh, film, things like that. But I think that if you are playing a character that is considered a, quote, non-lead, end quote, then I think that you really need to change your mindset. I think it needs to really be about figuring out, you know, how can I make this deuteragonist more relevant to this story with mm. what I am given? Yeah, yeah. Because you are, you're always the most important person in your life. Remember that. Exactly. You, need to you take care are of you. the main character, regardless but, of what anybody else thinks. But in every situation, you're not going to be the main character. Right. And you're, de- you're probably... Probably going to be the deuteragonist more often than not. If right. you're the put it this way, if you're the protagonist at every dinner that you have, like at every dinner that you have, you're probably an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> you know you're a I mean? narcissist. Like, <laughs> yeah, you you are so full of yourself that you could see what you had for lunch. Like you, <laughs> calm down, ask questions because people will like you more if you ask questions. And on that realm, I think that um. All of what we're going to talk about with like acting in D&D is going to apply to just having a normal conversation and not being a freak nasty bitch in real life <laughs> to your friends. But um, take it take it away. What do you what do you think are the, the shining ways that like if we were talking about like improv or D&D, what's the dealio? You know, if you're if you're a player character in, in yeah. Dungeons and Dragons, right? If you're a player character, there's going to be a lot of moments where and I know that I fall into this sometimes as a player. I'm definitely guilty of this of being like. If you're a character, a player like me who likes to have like a long storyline that they already have set up before they get into the plot, yeah, um, yeah. and you're like, I want to fulfill this sort of agenda that I have <laughs> for my character, me, 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 um, you're not going to have a good time. Mm. You're just not. Because the story can only go so many ways in a short amount of time. So you're going to waste time. You're going to make your other other people in your group a little uncomfortable because they aren't going to feel like they're going to be able to speak up and have their story heard. Yeah. Um, it's really got to be like knowing when is the time to assist others in their journey. Yeah. Because by assisting others in their journey, you will be able to go along yours as well. And your own journey will be enriched by that. And bringing people in, like, you, if you're very good at, like, a role-playing game or or any type of improv, you could be the funniest person all the time, but, um, 
you know, and, and you might, you might even be able to get away with that forever. You might be able to stifle that forever. But when you're in D&D, what are some good ways to involve other people? Because I'm kind of renowned in D&D, and we've played a few sessions together too, like, of making my characters, like, profoundly disabled in some way. <laughs> like, I'm talking, like, because uh, I love I love failure in games. I love being able to be weak and asking for people's help. Um, but I also like um, having challenges to overcome. Like, so is, does this character have dyslexia? Is this character um, is socially uh, just broken and unable to make sentences good? Like, um, a lot of ways to go about that. But just going to another player and being like... <sighs> damn, I, I don't think I can. Can you, pull your character name here, help with this situation? Like, mm -hmm. that's a big one. Any other ones you're thinking of? I think it's more just like asking. Asking like, what mm. do you think? Yeah. What do we do? Yeah. Because there will be moments, you're not going to be able to think of everything. You yeah. just can't. As a person, yeah. you cannot. And if you can, first of all, good for you. That's really, really great. But like, it's phys you're only going to have one solution. Yeah. You're only going to have one solution. You can't. You physically just cannot make everything happen. There's no um, save points. You can't hit the reset and be like, let me try that again. No, let me so try that like, again. Like a good way, if you want to be with other players and you want to like involve them in the story, be like, like, I'm lost. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. You know, just ask them like, I don't know. Do you have any experience with this? Have you ever faced this kind of thing before? Because I sure haven't. Right. Um, yeah. I, I have no experience with this. So I need your experience to help us overcome this goal yeah and then it's gonna feel real good when they return the favor you know what right, i mean because that will make them be like oh hey i am important that's right i am a main character in my own story and like i don't know what kind of friends you have but like if think of like your best friend in the world and i guarantee I'm you i'm looking at i'm looking at them right now <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... like, <laughs> but i mean i'm blushing if everyone can't see um Think of your best friend in the whole world and think of how many times they have asked you about you, how you mm. are doing, you yep. know, what you are up to, how they can be involved in it. Um, and think of like how many times you've reached out to them being like, how are they? When, when you think of them when they are, you know, struggling or when they are overjoyed, you know, when you think mm. like, wow, this would really, this would affect this person. I would like to reach out to them. Yeah. I imagine that's how your best friends work. That's how connection works. It's a give and take. And so D&D and acting as a non-lead character are the same way. Absolutely. Absolutely in big in real life. And you you had such a brilliant point earlier about like not trying to plot out your whole like A to Z what is your story thing going to be in advance. And that really hit something really deep in me. And it, it kind of made me realize that, like, this is um, your your basic character foundation is like the pH test for your entire story. Because if you if if you feel like your character or, 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 or that your overall story, like you're writing a story and you're like, and then the the characters go get like the the ring of Byzanthosaur and they take it to Mount Mount Krampadopadopolis and at the top they throw it in and like you have this cool like Lord of the Rings style story and all these characters and and, and it's fun in your head, um, but you ignore the initial character building, you might not be able to tell that your characters kind of suck because you're getting so sucked into the story itself that really you know great you have kind of a cool thing right now. 
But what would elevate it to like God tier is if you started with the characters previously, mm -hmm. because if you have all of those cool like character traits, um, ideally, if you're telling a story or doing improv, like you might be able to have something in the back of your head or, or a conversation like where you, you might know where something is going to end up. But the far greater thing that you have control over, because you don't know all the other variables. If you're talking with another person, you might have an idea how the conversation is going to end. And the other person might have a completely different opinion of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so the best you can do is think about how can I optimize and be the best in this moment? How can I um, involve the other person the best now, listen and connect and show empathy and humor? And I think that once you get down the the the... the interaction of the 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 improv or the conversation or the game it's going to make everything so much better because then since you have the fundamentals down even like the wackest situations are gonna sing because you love the people doing it and you love yourself and like the character you've created i think that's really beautifully said and i yeah. i think that that's a really good button i think so so i think so yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, we wanted to, we the Brotakus wanted to reach out to all of our very loyal listeners, all the people that love us and we love, um, and we wanted to ask you what you think about this episode today. So hit us up with your favorite deuteragonist uh, at hashtag agonist at Brotakus podcast on Twitter. And we'll feature our favorite responses on the next episode. So yeah, uh, tweet so. at us, you know, comment on our stuff, you know, rate us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Hit us really with your agonists. Yeah. 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 We really want to know. We really want to be involved with you because we Slap want us with your agonists. Please. Just without your agonist, take us, yeah. take us down with the agonist. Show us, show us who's agonist. <laughs> Make us your tritagonist. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. What a wild ride. Yeah. Well... Thank you all so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or review us on your favorite podcasting app. It really does make a difference, and every review counts. We'll make sure to give you a shout-out on the air to show our appreciation. All right, everyone. I'm Hal. And I'm Pax. And, and we're, we're the Bro-Takus! <laughs> See you next week, guys. See you next week. Love you. <laughs>